0: Support for Sponsor Talk and the following message come from Sponsor CX. If you're looking for an innovative, intuitive, and simple way to manage your sponsorships, look no further than this sponsorship management software. Sign up for a demo today and find out how easy it is to manage your sponsors. Learn more at www.sponsorcx.com. Hey there, and welcome to the Sponsor Talk podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways and how brands interact with properties in sports, arts, film, music, you name it. I'm today's co-host, Jason Smith. You can follow me at SponsorshipJ on Twitter or on LinkedIn to keep engaged with our Sponsor Talk community. On today's episode, I interview Ryan Holloway, president and founder of Peak Sports Management. Peak Sports partners with university athletic departments across the country, helping them gain more revenue through sponsorship sales. He has an amazing story, but we spend lots of time talking about how COVID has affected his business with fall sports being delayed to the spring. He has an amazing attitude about approaching today's challenges. You'll love listening to his story. Hopefully today you learn something new about the industry and challenges you to keep thinking differently.
1: You know, I, it, it's funny, some people have, have, have told me that I'm an entrepreneur, and, and that was like a, a, a dirty word in our household. And, and the reason I say that is my, my dad worked for the federal government. He worked for the FDIC, uh, insuring banks, sometimes closing banks down. And, and, uh, it, and so you wanna talk about a most stable job you can have working for the federal government. And, and, and we, we moved around wherever there were banking issues. And, and so I, I was born in, in Tennessee. Where they were having some some issues at at some banks there, and then we we went out to California for for a little while, and and then we were in 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 Illinois, and in you know really my first memories were were in the Chicago area. We were in the suburbs, and it's where I started elementary, and then we moved down to Texas when they had some some really big savings and loans issues, and and and, and so that's what you know my my dad kind of beat me and the head, get get yourself a good job with good benefits and. Uh, and I've come to done the exact opposite. But I, I grew up at no brothers, three sisters. Obviously my mom's a my mom had uh one brother and, and five sisters, and my dad no brothers, two sisters, and so having that perspective I think is is given me a pretty good perspective through throughout my life. Um I was very well trained with, with my wife Kara and in, in our girls. We just have two girls no boys to, to make sure I'm putting down the toilet seat. Right. And that's, <laughs>
0: that's
1: been big, in, big in my world for, for sure.
0: And that's important too.
1: Absolutely. hundred so. percent. <laughs> that's you know, a big deal. It, it, it really is. But I'm, I'm a, uh, I, I was born in Tennessee. I've lived all over. Uh, when people ask where I'm from, I, 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 I love to say that I'm, I'm from the Chicago area, but I'm a Texan. Um, you know, I, I wasn't born in Texas, but as people say here, wasn't born in Texas but I got here as, as, as quick as I could but my, my definitely my formative years have, have been in Texas it's a, it's a great place to be in a great place to to raise a family for sure.
0: So with your dad being in the banking industry did you did you ever feel like that was going to be your path just because that's what you grew up around?
1: Yeah absolutely you know I, uh, and I know we'll ta- talk a little bit about this but I you know when I went off to college I, I got a finance degree and and so the, the whole, uh, I, I always signed up for, you know, bring your dad to work day and, and, and take your kid to work day. Cause I just, I, I always thought it was cool. And, um, if I could get out of school or have my dad come in and cause if he came in, he was going to bring me McDonald's. Right. And I didn't have to eat the, the school lunch. And, <laughs> uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I, I kind of followed in his, his footsteps and, um, and, and I, I do, I did know this. I, I wanted to, I, I would look at bank interest rates versus what you could make in the market. And I said, okay, I'm sorry, dad, but getting money in the market is a little sexier than the, the few percentage points you could get at a bank. And, and so I said, you know, I, I want to go into financial services and, and I, I want to be a, a stockbroker or a financial advisor, you know, and, and, and kind of explore that route and, it was a little bit more of appeal to me than than being in the regulatory side and and making sure that, that banks were in compliance and, and and so but but it's definitely in my DNA for sure.
0: And and you went to Texas State University and, and you talked about getting that finance degree and you know you may want to you know be a broker or do do that and I, I'm I'm assuming that's kind of why you went with finance, but you also got a marketing degree with that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely so Wait, how
0: come how come marketing and finance together
1: yeah absolutely so my 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 first uh, when I first showed up at Texas State and, and I had an opportunity to start to take some upper level, upper level classes I, I took uh, I took five classes that that first semester I, I took a, a management a marketing a finance uh, economics and uh, I, I forget the other class but I just fell in love with finance, but I also knew that marketing was was something that that, that could certainly assist. But tr- truth be told, I, I took winter classes, summer classes, and I was on track to to graduate right on time in four years flat. Nobody, none of my friends were doing it, and so still to this day, it might be my best sales job of all time. Of calling my parents up saying I'm I'm not ready to graduate yet. I want to I want to add marketing to this, and and I somehow convinced them to to. To, to sign off on it and not only pay it and, and I ended up finishing up school in four and a half years. And, and it was, it was, it was perfect to, to do that. But, but in all seriousness, no, it, it, it did give me some, some additional tools in, in my, in my, uh, in my tool chest, so to speak of, of going out there and, and not only be able to kind of figure out the, the math behind things, but then how do we get projects off the ground and how do we sell them? And that's something that, uh, that was, really important to me as, as I started my career.
0: And and why did you choose Texas State?
1: Yeah. So, it uh, you know, for, for me, it was something that it, it just felt right. And uh, when, when I went to school there, it's kind of funny. I, uh, I my, my dad started off at, at East Texas State, which is now Texas A&M Commerce. And he ended up going to University of Texas after that. But, I used to give him flack all the time. I said, Dad, you're so old, they, they've changed the campus since you left. Well, when, when I showed up at Texas State, it was actually Southwest Texas, and they've now since changed their name to Texas State. But, but, but it, it, it felt right. It, it felt like the good size. It, I, I think the most important thing is it, it felt like a university that was on the rise, that they were building things, not only just building the, you know actual buildings, but they were, they were building the thing into a new university and the name change was always there, but you just had that there of, hey, we're, we're, we're building. And, and I've always been really interested in, in, in building things rather than just showing up in, when things are already there. And, yeah. and that was a big part of it. And I was able to get really involved with, with uh, student government when I was there and you know, be somebody that represented a thousand student voices. It, it was pretty cool.
0: You've obviously, we're, we're going to get to peak sports, and you, you've built this sports sponsorship marketing company. When did sports become a big part of your, your life? Did you play it growing up in college? Where, where did the love of sports start for you?
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. So I you know, was always a big sports fan, and just like everybody else, trade baseball cards, going to games. I, I, I loved all, all of that stuff. What's um, the
0: best card you ever had?
1: Well, probably my favorite, and it, it's it still my favorite. and I have it sitting on my desk as I talk to you right now. Is is the '89 uh, King Griffey Jr. Upper Deck rookie card? Oh, uh, nice. There's just something special about that card. I grew up a Ryan Sandberg fan, um, but uh, I, I've got some old Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra, and Roger, I got Roger Maris's card from '61 when he broke. Uh, oh, that's great. and so it was just it was fun. But what? You know what I found myself is you know I was going to games when when I was going to school and I, I was more fascinated in how did the teams get there and, and why are these two teams playing each other and why is there a team from Jacksonville Alabama that's in the same conference as as a school here in, in San Marcos Texas and, and and why are they just affiliate members in the same conference and why aren't they in the same regular conference together and I, I, I would think of that more than how the play was drawn up. Right. And, and and I found that real quick through, through high school. I I wasn't that good of an athlete. Right. And, and and so I just, I, I I don't know, I'm just an inquisitive person and and would really kind of nerd out on on everything but the actual game itself and
0: the actual business side of it,
1: the business side of it with, without a doubt. And, um and and so that's where I got really, really interested in, in, in these types of things. And, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, you know, I, at the time you know late 90s early 2000s i mean you had ohio university uh umass a couple other programs but there was no sport management you know if, if it was it was a kinesiology degree that would kind of dabble in it but you know right right at, at, out of school I, I tried to go you know go chase that finance dream and uh but i always knew that the the uh, working in sports was was my true passion but i had passed that up and went out to Atlanta to, to go, to go work something and went for good money and got paid good money. But, it, you know, there's something about chasing your passion. That's, uh, that's, that, 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 that's where you got to be.
0: So is that what, that's what you did coming out of college? You kind of focused on that finance side and then, cause you graduated in 2002, but your first, you know, sports job, I believe was when you were the marketing assistant for Texas state in 2005.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so, so fortunately I, when, when I finished up school and I, I moved to Atlanta, I took a job working for a, this financial services firm in, in Atlanta and worked there for, for about two and a half years. And, uh, I, I, I stayed in contact with the, with, with now the new athletic director at, at, at Texas state. And, yeah. um, and, and most of the time, truth be told, and it's, it's, Larry Tyson's still there I, I would t- I would email him and say why why why'd you schedule this game and not this game and you know we got to fire this guy and uh, you know I, I was kind of the the uh, annoying fan and and unfortunately for for dr. Tice, I, I didn't even donate money and you know, I don't know why he even listened to me but but he would I think he saw something there and and when I would come into town and you know San Marcus wasn't far from where my parents were now living and so I, I'd go in and and have lunch with him and, and whatnot. So I built up a, a really nice r- rapport with him. And, uh, and then I worked in Atlanta for a couple of years and then uh, kind of lost the, the flame there. And, and, a, and I'm also really into hiking and hence peak sports. And, and I get a call from a friend that's in Seattle and he says, Hey, I, I you know, I, I can get you a job working for a distributor for Exxon Mobil selling oil but it's in Seattle and I'm thinking Seattle, I can hike, let's do it. Well, I'm driving from Atlanta to Seattle with my dad, and and every, you know, we're going through all these small towns and we're talking about athletics, and I'm talking about all these different things and conference affiliation. And my dad says, What the heck are you doing? This job, you need to do this. And you know, lo and behold, about a year later,
0: did it just uh, hit you in the car at that point? Uh, like
1: well, and- it, it, it did, it it did hit me in the car that I, I I've missed another opportunity you know, I, I'm, I'm on my way to Seattle working for, I'm going to be selling oil and, 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 and it's not even like sexy side of it. It's like selling, you know, oil you put in your car, you know, it's not these big deals, but Hey, I could go to Seattle and I can hike and, but you know, hurricane Katrina comes through in 2005, throws the supply chain off. Um, you know, once it came through Louisiana and, and later hurricane Rita and, and so they, uh, they, they laid off you know, a bunch of people with a small distributor, and I was one of them. And I, I called my dad, and he said, you know what you need to do? You need to call Larry Tice and talk about getting a job. And I said, he's not going to do it. And I called Larry up, and and he said, I'll, I'll figure out a job for you. But I'm telling you one thing, Ryan. I'm, I'm only going to give you a job. He said, I'm giving you a job because I know you bleed maroon and gold. Like, that's the base of it. But the reason I'm going to figure this thing out is I want to prove you wrong. And so I, I I got accepted into the master's program, headed down there. I think I was making $600 uh, per month. And I, I slept on my sister's couch because she was doing her undergrad at Texas State at the time. And, and then uh, about two months in there, Larry came down to my office. My, my, it was really, it was literally an old broom closet and he said, Hey man, let's, let's do lunch. And so I went out to lunch and he just sat down and he said, how, how, how wrong were you and how right was I about all my decisions? And I said, I said, Larry, I said, you're hundred percent right. And I appreciate you bringing me on. He said, good. You know what athletics is about. There's, there's a lot that's going on in this world. And, and, and that was my start there in, in, in 2005 at, at, at Texas state.
0: That's amazing. That, that's awesome. That's a cool story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you have you doing at that point? So like when he said, Hey, I'm going to figure out a job for you. Like what did he, I mean, you're, you were a quote unquote marketing assistant. What, what did he have you do?
1: Yeah. So, so when I showed up, I, uh, I was working in marketing cause that's where they knew they could, they could get the 600 bucks a month. And so that was my, my job. And I, I think I was supposed to work, I don't know, 15, 20 hours, something like that a week. But, but I asked, I asked Larry, I said, Hey, I, I think this is what I want to do, but, I would love to see other things. And so he, so in a staff meeting, he stood me up and introduced me. He said, this is Ryan. Like he's got to work 20 hours with with Brian Miller over here, who, who's, who is still the, the he's associated with marketing. And he said, but we want to get him involved in development and tickets and sports information and compliance. And, and it was really cool. It was like a, it was like a uh, rotations that, that doctors go through and, so a week or two, I worked in you know sports info, a week or two, I worked in compliance. And I, I started figuring out it, it really quick that there was things that I did not like, right? and um, Well, that's
0: and, good. It sounded like you got your hands on a lot of different things for that purpose, things you did like, things you didn't, so that you could decide which direction you wanted to go.
1: Absolutely. And whenever I talk to folks that are really new in the business or trying to get into it is, you think you might want to be, a quote unquote sports writer, but do you know what that means? And you, you want to be in sports information or you want to be compliant, go do it. And, and you'll figure out if you like it or you don't like it. And so for me, don't go and get involved to figure out if you like something, go and get involved and figure out what you don't like, because why go to school for four or five years and then never even do something and figure out it's miserable doing it. But I, I was afforded an excellent opportunity to, to, to work, there in the department, but I, I ultimately was, was a marketing assistant. And I think by the time I w- finished up there, I think, I think I was making $800, maybe 850 a month. Wow. I, I basically had unlimited uh, Domino's pizza. I could eat.
0: Uh, <laughs> you had all the trade in the world to use
1: all the All trade in the world and I, and <laughs> me, I ate it all the time. Uh, and then I could also go to Bahama bucks, which was like a snow cone place so I, I went there a lot so your
0: diet consisted of pizza and snow cones
1: exactly exactly and in date nights if i met a girl we'd go to bahama bucks and uh <laughs> and, and she could get whatever many flavors she wanted but 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 you know it was it, it, during that time i i dr tice told me he said make sure you're reaching out to other ad's you know there's a lot of ad's in this area you can go up to austin you can go down to san Antonio, you can go over to college station and go over to houston and, and build rapport in relationships like you have with me and they're going to take you far. And very first meeting I had was with, was, with the lost Dodds the the AD at Texas that was there forever. And, you know, he told me what, what sticks with me today is he said, Ryan, go to where you want to be. And I said, what does that mean? He said, if you want to, if you want to be a power five AD, get out of Texas state and, and show up at, at a power five AD's doorstep and say, I want to work here. I want to be an AD someday learn those ropes and but going back to my undergrad days I knew I wanted to be a builder and I wanted to be at that size and so I knew I was at where I wanted to be and and then the second thing he told me is is outwork your boss and uh and, and what was cool is is I I tried to put in as many hours as as I could and, and outwork my bosses and, and and then fortunately one day one of the guys came in Chris Parks who's who's uh Chris Park, that's that's now a deputy AD at Washington State, came and knocked on my door and said, "Hey, um, I just got off the phone with Greg Burke. He's he's the AD at Northwestern State. And he's looking for a assistant AD of marketing, and and you can make thirty grand a year." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, like that's this is great." And that was a
0: fortune compared to six or eight hundred dollars um, a month, right?
1: It was. It <laughs> was. And, and and the crazy thing is, Chris was wrong, and I interviewed, and they offered me thirty five. And, uh, and so I, I, I think Chris, and I said, matter of fact, I said, man, I got 35. He said, you, you're a good negotiator. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told him that, that, that was just the offer, but <laughs> I, I, just, I ran with that. And, 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 and I would have
0: too. I'd been like, yeah, I mean, I really pressed him hard.
1: Ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, in, and uh, you know, w- what's neat about that is I, I still stay in touch with, with the, with the folks at, at Texas state and, um, and you know, I go to I go to Northwestern State and Cincinnati Marketing and, and and promotions and and I had a bunch of things under my title. The ticket office, I I had uh, our branding and, and really our our uh, our licensing that was under that. And I, I found out that we were buying shirts. Uh, you know, our bookstores and whatnot. We're buying shirts and license plate covers and pens. It just said Northwestern on there because in the state you, you've got you got southeastern. Louisiana uh, you, you've got a couple other directional schools and so people don't say well I'm going to southeastern Louisiana they say I'm going to southeastern they say I'm going to northwestern and so they were just ordering this stuff but northwestern in Evanston Illinois was getting all the royalties and so like immediately within a couple of months I was able to increase our revenue projections by like 15 or 20 grand just based on royalties and um so I, I talked to Jim Phillips, uh, the idiot Northwestern, a couple of years after that enacted convention and said, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I cost your department about 20 grand a year because <laughs> I found a mistake that our, our bookstore was making, um, which, which was pretty cool. But, you know, as far as moving, moving out of the state, it, it, for me, I could have been in New York City or Natchitoches, Louisiana, and it didn't matter. I just I, I put my head down. Um, you know, Greg Burke is, is, is still a mentor of mine, still a good friend of mine. We now work with them with, with peak sports. And, and he, he told me, he said, man, here are your jobs. And they are like three or four things like sell some sponsorships, market the heck out of these programs and provide a really good in-game experience. And, and as long as I was doing those three things, he didn't care about anything else I did. And, and, and so I was able to take the university through a rebranding campaign, new website, ticket systems all of these things. And, and, and and that was, that was really, really cool to be able to do that. And and in a sense, I, I, in turn, I just really poured myself into, into my job there.
0: Yeah. Did you feel like this was the job that really, that gave you the experience you needed to kind of springboard you?
1: Oh, without without a doubt. You know, the, the, the job at Texas state, it it got my foot in the door and I worked my tail off just because I wanted to, I wanted to stand out above everybody um, and, and I was given some responsibility. I, you know, oversaw marketing for women's soccer and softball, and you know, did, did a lot of different things. But I wasn't the man. You know, I wasn't the woman or the man. I wasn't the person in charge. But at Northwestern State, a hundred percent, I, I probably made more mistakes there than than I did good. Right, and uh, which was great because I, I was trying. I, I put myself out worked with an AD that, that allowed me to do that. And, you know, obviously none of my stakes were, were, were fatal, but just a lot of, a lot of things tried lots of promotions and tried different avenues of doing different things. But without a doubt, that's that, that, that put me on the map. That's when I was able to go to NACTA conventions. Um, that's when I, you know, I, I was able to kind of really put myself into a role, which was, which was really, really neat, really awesome.
0: Well, and it's good that you that you can work with people that are okay with what, what you know. What I've like to call you know paying tuition yes. once on something just don't make the second mistake twice. Yep. Sometimes it might cost you a little bit, but it's it's tuition at school. You learn from a mistake, right? And then yeah. and then you uh, then you learn from it, and then from here on out, you'll never make that mistake again.
1: Absolutely. Like, and I'll tell you just a real quick story. What what is one of those things? So we we broke a Guinness world record of having the most people wearing the Groucho Marx uh, glasses with the mustache. It's basically a disguise. Well, by the time we were playing this game, and, and this wasn't much of a mistake. I mean, it was executed great. We, we broke the records and got the awards and all that. But the problem on the planning is I, I, I could have looked at things a little different. Well, we, I did it around a, a football team that was struggling, and we were zero and five. And so, what it looked like, it looked like seventy five hundred people embarrassed to be at a Northwest State football game, and so they were in disguises, right? Um, and so, we got ridiculed for that by some people, including some coaches. But but the punchline is, is we had seventy five hundred fans that thought they were doing something pretty cool, and they they got to be put in the book and. Um, and we were in some different papers, and it was a fun experience, right? And and you got to put yourself out there. And and I was still looked at as, wow, he's he's trying, he's doing a good job. But man, imagine if we were five and oh and that happened. Like I would have been a genius. Um, but but I had a good athletic director that was willing to support some kind of weird ideas like that.
0: Yeah, and support some creativity. And how long were you there at Northwestern yeah, State?
1: So I was there just under just under three years. Um, and, you know, went, went from, you know, so they're an FCS program, you know, they are 1AA at the time, as they called it, and, you know, worked work my tail off, and then uh, and this is kind of where, where Kara came into the picture, where we we went to high school together, and and we uh, kind of started talking again, and, and I had an opportunity to go to Niagara University, become an associate AD, or go to, to Rice and become a, an assistant AD, so, I could go the FBS route, Conference USA, or I could have could have gone the the non-football route, but had a higher position, and, uh, it, it, and, and, and Rice just felt better. Uh, I'm a baseball guy. Uh, it was close to the home, uh, those types of things, and, and so I said, "What the heck? Let's let's give this thing a let's give this thing a whirl," and and, and so went to Texas and and was there, and and that, that was a great move. I learned probably more about myself and leadership there than than I, I've still learned to this day. You know, I worked for three athletic directors in under two years. Um, it was a very, very challenging time for, for me professionally um, because it, it was a lot of conference affiliation was shifting. So Rice, I, I still probably think to this day, they're probably not pleased. They're at Conference USA. They probably feel that they're at a higher level. So when you've got that, you, you've got one AD that's hired you, you have another AD that comes in, and then you've got a third AD. It's a challenge, right, of how, how can I survive? And, and I, learned that really, I learned really quick that I, I didn't want to be an athletic director, and there's more to life than, than, than that. And, and, and not saying that being a business owner is, is, is easy, but, um, but it's
0: interesting because you wanted to become an athletic director, but the more and more that you spent time in there – you realized you didn't.
1: Uh, exactly. A hundred percent. And I mean, there's, there's a like, lesson
0: to be learned there.
1: Oh, with, without a doubt. And there's, I mean, there's some really good folks at Rice and some folks that I worked with that are, that are, are still there, but I, I just learned that um, it, it's a challenge, right? When you're hired by one group and, and, and then a, a kind of a new regime comes in and you're just tied to the last group, even though you're just there to make, the student athlete experience better and the fan experience better and, and so on and so forth that you just realize that th- there's more to more to life than, than putting on the best volleyball in game atmosphere. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, so I'm, I'm there for a couple of years and, uh, and that was actually really neat. Uh, Kara, we, we got engaged, Kara moved down to Houston and we were RAs for for a year at Rice. And at, at Rice, it's it's not upperclassmen, it's faculty or staff. So we were RAs on campus, and we we, we it was a really really good experience. So was she to,
0: working at Rice too?
1: She wasn't. She was she was a school teacher. Okay. And, and Rice is 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 pretty open about that. You know, we're not married, living together there. At least engaged. We, we're allowed to have a dog. Um, we had Frank, who's still with us. He was he was there and and she worked off campus and we got a meal plan, free parking and, and a free place to stay as we were just about to start our lives together. So it was a, that's awesome. Wonderful, wonderful thing. But I, I, uh, you know, we, we, we're sitting here stressed to the gills. Um, it, it's we're trying to press new ADs, um, you know, trying to look all these things here here my phone rings and I, I get a call from, uh, from Tommy McClellan, who's the AD at Losing a Tech right now. He's about to become the deputy at, at Bandy. Um, and, and he was at McNeese State. And, and also on that call was was Ryan Ivey, who's now the athletic director at, at Stephen F. Austin. Um, they said, hey, we're, we're bringing on this company, KP Sports, and we we love for you to be the GM. Do you want to do it? And, and it was a two-hour drive over, and I said, let's go check it out. And we said, let's do it. And because, uh, you know what, it – these Olympic sports are important without a doubt. You know, I, I care a lot about women's soccer. Kara played for two years in college, but, but there's more to life than, than working every single event. Um, you know, there's, let's focus on the ones that make sense and, uh, and, and then try to, um, try to maximize those and, and then, and then just enjoy the rest of the ones. And, now,
0: and so, now, Kara was a school teacher when you were at Rice there. Did did she end up getting into the sports world even before she became a founder with you with Peak?
1: Yeah. So she, um, whether she liked it or not, when we went to McNeese, she, she became that right. So we got married, had our first kiddo. And so she stayed home with, with, with our oldest. And I was a one man shop at, at, at nearly a million dollar property, we grew it a lot. And so she was basically my unpaid intern, right? I would bring home work and and she would fill out stuff, contract fulfillment,
0: so that's where she got her experience.
1: It, it, exactly. And and she, it's, it's funny. She, she was an athletic director for middle school, which a lot of scheduling things like that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And, and, but, but this was her first opportunity to understand what sponsorship sales were and her really working in athletics and the cadence. And she, she kind of understood that from, from our, our, our kind of our courtship of, Hey, I'm sorry. I can't come to Dallas. And we were starting to talk and the company I work for, KP Sports, awesome job. Carrie Perry, female owner, um, just built a tremendous business in this space. And there there are a lot of things that I think she did a, a wonderful job on. There's a couple things that I said, maybe we could, you know, modify these things and make them better. And Kara looked at me one day and said, Let's just start our own business. And uh and I said, Well, how am I gonna do this? And she said, Ryan, you know a ton of people in this business, and you know, this business is is about is about relationships and in in in, you know fortunately dr dr brad teague that's at central arkansas called me one day and said hey i i I think we want to outsource this you think kp sports would be interested i said i'm sure they would but let me throw a curveball your way would you be interested in in potentially working with us and which school was that this is central arkansas okay and this is when i was at mcneese and and uh and so I called Kara up and I said, Hey, I think we're starting our business today. And, and so she said, cool. And, and I called up my boss, I called Carrie and I said, Hey, I, I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to compete against you. And, uh, and I was surprised she didn't fire me that day. And we, 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 we continued to work with each other for another four or five months. And, um, and, and then fortunately, I mean, you know, she, she knew the schools that I was talking to. We had a, we had a good exit. And, uh, and then I, uh, I, Karen and I fortunately won the, won the bid at at central Arkansas. And, and then in kind of the rest is history. And that was in, that was in 2012, but starting a business isn't for the faint of heart. You know, we, when it got real to Carrie that I was competing against her uh, I, I got fired. So on, on October 13th, of 2012 she she fired me uh november 27th i'm
0: surprised she kept you on that long
1: i I, i'm i'm still surprised to this day i'm
0: floored in fact (laughs)
1: yeah and, and, and i think the part of it is if there's a way and i've talked about this all the time with our employees is if there's a proper way to do things i i think i did the proper thing where i went to her and just laid it on the line and and i think she really appreciated that and and i said look i i I I want to go after schools that we would be going after. And, and, and she runs her, she ran her business a little different than we run ours now. She wasn't really transparent. So I didn't have, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. She just, I didn't have much information of how things were set up at schools. I didn't have access even to our contract that we had. So there wasn't a lot of institutional or proprietary type stuff I had, but, but yeah, so she fires me October 13th. We bid, we make a, Presentation November 27th, we're, reward, we're awarded it November 28th. We, we start December 10th. We, we, we don't get paid anything until July 27th. So we go October 13th, really October 14th, she overnighted a check, my final check, all the way till July of 2013 before we have any revenue. And, and we have a kid and then we find out we were pregnant with the second with, with no insurance. And, and, but the, the you know, you want to talk about entrepreneurship or growing a business, um, you know, the, the kind of the second plan, plan B would have been, I don't know, I'd go get a job somewhere and we'd figure it out because I had connections and would we have to take a couple steps back? Maybe, who knows? I, I, I don't know. We, 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 we still don't know what plan B would have been, but plan A, without a doubt, was we're, we're going to go get Central Arkansas, come hell or high water, we're going to figure this thing out.
0: Um, and you and both you both sold for Central Arkansas. You were the we were essentially the employees to make yeah, it we happen.
1: Were, we were owners down to interns and everything in between. So we, yep. So we we showed up. We were there for geez, probably close to three years before we added our our our, our second property. And it's the classic case, right? Of you know, if you've got a mom and pop operation, you know, if you got a mom and pop store, if you open up a second store, now you got ma here and you got pa over here, right? Yep. And, and then how do you grow to, to, to three? You really can't grow to three. You got to grow to four, right? Because you got to add people to all, all these because you can't have mom and pop going to all these places. And so...
0: So I'm going to take just a couple of steps back. When you went to work for KP Sports, was that the first time that you started selling sponsorships? Or had you did you have some prior experience when you're in your marketing roles at like Rice or yeah. Northwestern State?
1: Yeah, so Texas State, I mean, I... I, man, I I think I, one, one day I sold a $2,500 deal and I was, I was on top of the world because I thought that was big money. They let me dabble in some program ad sales and things like that. Northwestern State, I oversaw our entire program, right? But it was one of, you know, 15 jobs I had. But I, I thought I did a pretty good job and I really liked it. And then when I was at Rice, I was joined really close to the hip with the IMG folks there. I saw some of the things that I really liked of what the guys did. And then I saw some of the things that IMG, just the way it's set up was, was just a little bit different with cutting a check versus kind of a revenue share type of a situation. So, but not until I I got to KP sports, that that was the first time I was 100% um, in, you know, in sponsorship sales,
0: which I think is, which I think is an interesting point to make because that you weren't at KP very long, right? So here you are, Selling sponsorships for a limited amount of time, and then starting your own sponsorship company, right? Yes. What were the challenges in that, as far as learning the sales of sponsorships, and then taking that to your company?
1: Yeah, that it's you know, a lot, and it's obviously still figuring out, right? We're always trying to learn. I've whatever, kind
0: of Ryan, you're pro now. Always. You're a pro. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So well fortunately they always say hire people better than you and we've got some really, really good folks working for us. But sure. you know, for for me it's just it's all about relationships, it's all about talking to people. Yep. And and so for for me it was I, I didn't want to ever get too fancy. I didn't want to come up with the perfect pitch. I didn't wanna uh come up with the perfect whatever. It's let's just go out and and roll up our sleeves and sit down and have a conversation, build, build a relationship, with build relationships with and
0: see what the sponsor, see what the sponsor, the brand wanted.
1: It, it, right? Exactly. And, and let's face it, the schools that, that I have worked with in the past and the ones we have now, there's a big, big philanthropic side of it. You know, they, do they want to return? Absolutely. But it's heavily weighted in the philanthropic side. We're, we're, we're not sharing metrics and, eyeballs and this I mean we, we are doing that but that's not part of the initial it's not an ad buy it's they're, they're they want to know how they can get involved with these universities and so that part I, I had down just being a human being and just being curious about people's businesses you know it's it's intriguing to me to go sit down with whoever and just hear hear about how, how things operate and and then how can we make your your lives better and and then trying to figure out how we can do that. And, and, and that's, been, that's been very, very helpful. And, and so we just did that. And, and and then I think the most important thing, you, you go back to early in my career, is just talking to people. You know, yeah. there, There's a lot of people that are older and wiser than, than I am. So why not talk to them and, and figure out how they've done it, right?
0: You left KP in 2012. Correct. And then they, they sold in 2015 to Learfield. Yes. Um, so not not too long after, and we've been um, building Peak for the last eight years. Seen a lot of great success over those eight years, and gaining a lot of momentum right now. Is there? There was a time when Learfield. Now Learfield and IMG obviously are are uh, they merged? You know, a few years back. But there was a time Learfield was kind of picking up again, They were picking up KP Sports, and they were they were picking up all these quote unquote smaller sponsorship you know companies uh, these third-party right holder yep. you know companies do those conversations still come up today for with with you or, or do they not even worry about central arkansas of the world
1: yeah you know um i i would say t- like today in this world i think it's very little even though OutFront was was just purchased uh i guess last week you know here in here in september um the, uh, it, here, here's, what's interesting. So you go back to my finance degree. I loved hearing about mergers and acquisitions and all those types of things. And, and I always try to reverse engineer things. Right. And, um, in my belief, people buy companies for two reasons. Um, they, they buy them because they're annoyed with that competition and they just want to eliminate them. Uh, so I figured, man, we haven't, we haven't annoyed Learfield enough yet. Um, and that was never really our goal. And then the other reason that they do it is because it's undervalued, because maybe they, the ownership group or the company just, uh, they need to sell because of cash flow or whatever. Um, you know, have we been, have people reached out to us? Sure. But I mean, if you go to our Peak Sports Twitter page and look at our feed, what's pinned, it's it's the day that the Learfield IMG was leaked. And we have zero interest on on selling um we 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 were debt free we have no parent company um uh, and, and there's something about that where um when you're built when you build a company to have a company to you know where you want revenues to exceed expenses and you want cash flow and you want profit um rather than building a company for a good ebitda or um uh, whatever terms that I haven't used since I worked for a financial company um, you, you're 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 working on borrowed time, right? You gotta sell it. And for us, you know, we've got a nine and seven year old that I don't know if they want to get involved in this or not. But we want to build a legacy company where where we can eventually hand it off to them, or what I think is more likely is be able to hand this off to our employees, let them be major shareholders in it. That's something I think would be really important to us. I think
0: that's admirable. I think that's awesome. And it's rare in this day and age. And so I think it's, I think it's awesome that you, that you want to do that. And I think it's what separates you from, from, uh, from the others. Do you feel like there's anything else that really separates you from like a, from a Learfield IMG type of organization other than they're, they're massive in size, right. With some of those big D1 schools, but what, but what separates you from them?
1: Yeah, and those—I mean, those guys do really—and they all do a really nice job, and and they've—I mean, geez, they—they've they've been trailblazers. They've—they've they've set everything for us, and and, and, and that people, could
0: even be what separates you from KP Sports too, like that yeah, type of absolutely.
1: Company. And but you know, there's there's a lot of really good companies, and there's a lot of really good leaders within those companies. I think the number one thing, with, without a doubt, that that separates us from from them is um, we we own our company and we, if, if somebody needs help or if they said, man, we got to fix this. Every AD and and a decent amount of our even university presidents have my cell and they call and they say, Hey, we got to get this. We we need some help on this here. Like, can you really help? And and not saying that the other companies won't do that or, 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 or can't do that, but there's something to be said where, we really, really look at every single one of our schools, and, and, and we feel really, really special about them. They're not just a number. It's, it's something that's, that's really, really special to us. And so I think that is, without a doubt, that what, what separates us is the, the service that we can provide to the, to the schools, with, without a doubt.
0: And you've, you've had a lot of success re- recently, and, and obviously COVID is, we'll talk about COVID and how that's, that's affected you, but um, there, there was a time prior to March where, and, and even after, even during COVID, I know that you've, you've, you know, added some, some schools too, but you've, you've seen a lot of success recently. How have you been able to see such great growth over the past few years?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, a, a, I guess a couple things. It, we were fortunate again, and I had to keep going back to the, the, the debt-free part. And, and not having a parent company or banks or whatever is all of our decisions are, are I, I make them alongside my wife and business partner, Kara. And so, um, so soon as this thing hit our very first phone calls were, you know, first our employees, Hey, well, let's make sure everybody's fine, safe, all those types of things. And then it's to our ADs of how can we help? And, and then, you know, it's us talking to our employees about call the sponsors and just see how we can help. And so it's just all of March, all of April, all of May. It's how can we help? How can we help? And then once we thought this thing was turning in June, it's, hey, this is our thought for the future. July, it starts to turn. Late July, we're like, hey, we might need to have a discussion because things aren't looking good. And then in August, we're like, hey, let's have a discussion of what this looks like. And so we get all the way to August to start having discussions with people about, hey, this is tough on us and this is tough on y'all. We might need to modify things a little bit for this year to get through. And so instead of just sending a letter out, in March saying, Hey, this is bad. We, here's our contract modification, live with it. So that's helped because we're just, I, again, we, we're not feeling the pressure of, Oh, we've got to make this, you know, there's been a cash call and we have to make it because our VCs are, are wanting it. You know, it's, it's none of that. Like there is no cash call. There's no, pay. I drive a 2009, Toyota Highlander with 185,000 miles, like there is no car payment. And, and so for us, it's very, very easy to make very sound decisions through this. Now it's been a struggle. You know, we've had to, we, we had to furlough folks. We had to cut pay. We've, you know, we've, we've brought all those, those the pay reductions back up, which has been good. Um, but we, we've been very, very fortunate where we've been able to have very sound relationships and sound conversations with, with our ADs through this.
0: And that's good. I think, and so what I'm hearing from you is really the relationships that you've built with your schools when you're in the mix for other schools uh, for the future, you're getting a lot of positive feedback because of your close relationship that you have with the other schools, like basically word of mouth.
1: Yeah, I think a- a- absolutely. Cause if you, if you look at it, the, the schools we work with, you know, we're, got 17 schools three of them are, are high impact d2s the rest of them are are mid-major division one schools fcs schools and, and so we're not working with the big boys and I, we could probably figure out how to do that but th- this is where we're at this is the language we speak it's 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 where we've really succeeded in. and we, we know what what these schools need it's um, an
0: underserved market that you're providing for though
1: it a hundred hundred percent. And so it the communication, the relationship building has been has been very paramount. And and, and for us it's it's been it's been pretty easy because we, we got you know, we work with some really good ADs that 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 they just want help and we want to help and they want to help us grow our business. It's great. We got really good partnerships.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you you and I have talked before about this and you've touched on it a little bit, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit deeper on it on your culture, your culture being super important to your company. And, and you, you do everything you can to protect that. Tell, tell everyone about why culture has been important and how that's affected your company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a big, big, big time challenge all all the time. Right. So culture is a buzzword. We, we, we try to not make it be a buzzword. We try to actually live it. We call people out on culture when, when they are, uh, toting the company, company flag, so to speak. And then we pull people in when we, when we, we think they're, they're, they're not living by it. But, but I think the, the biggest determination of culture is when, when myself or Kara, any leader in our company doesn't, it's, it's just, it's, it's our GMs and AEs that are, are not even calling us about, Hey, you want to look into this? It's, they're, they're talking to other people saying, Hey man, like wh- this is a pretty good, pretty good setup that we have here or whatever that looks like. But 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 for for us, it's something we we have to work on. Um folk our peers in this industry have to work on. And you think about it, so I mean, just literally look at what, what our employees wear. They're wearing the polos of a school. And so their allegiance, when they look in the mirror, they're seeing that, right? It's it's their it's their it's their battle flag, it's their regalia that they're wearing. They're on that campus. And if you look on any of the websites, only mention a peak sports you see is is on our original releases. We don't care about peak sports, you know, without the schools, we wouldn't be here. And, and so we, we want to make sure people are dialed in with us, but we also want to make sure that they're dialed in with their schools. So we have our culture. We want to make sure it abides by the school's culture. Right. And then you, you take that and, and then now we're, you know, we're three different time zones and, you know, from, from Utah all, all the way to the Carolinas and, and everything in between. And so keeping that intact and, in in you know it, it, and so that that is a big part of us continually to have conversations with with our, our folks to make sure they're engaged uh try, trying to figure out what makes them tick you know it's easy to just try to throw money at them um but that's not what answers it and it sure as heck during a pandemic doesn't answer that right mm-hmm. um, just can't do it and so for us it's something that we're always always trying to kind of poke and prod at and work at
0: yeah no that's great and you've been a great, a a great voice for the industry and as a whole, but obviously even with COVID, the COVID shutdowns with college sports, um, you've been, you know, vocal on that. And you, you're actually a great follow, I I think on Twitter, um, at Ryan M Holloway, but what are your thoughts about the decisions of a lot of the schools that you work with going to spring?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll say this, the, and this has been a challenge on, on Twitter is I, I want to really commend our athletic directors that are doing it but but behind the scenes, it, it, every single one of our ads is trying. they're they're trying, they're trying, they're trying, and they're trying hard. and they want to say stuff because but but they're dealing with 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 mayors. they're dealing with county commissioners, they're dealing with state health people. they're dealing with their presidents, uh, they're dealing with conference. It's a this without a doubt is has been the most challenging. I mean we' we're reading a history book right now, and, and, and we're seeing some great leadership come out of it. And, and so I what I've really seen is is more ADs be more fortunate than anything, but the ones that have the fortune on their side, they've done a really good job of, of pushing forward. Those that can't, it's, it's a challenge, but they're still doing the best they can do to provide a wonderful student athlete experience providing a really good experience for our sponsors, their their ticket holders, that type of a thing. But, you know, for for me, I've been pretty vocal on it. You know, the, being a business owner, I'm looking at cash flow analysis all the time. The college athletics industry makes no financial sense. If you can invest in it, it would be the worst investment possible, even at the biggest levels because schools spend every dollar that they make. Right. And, and so you, Got I don't know a dozen schools that are sufficient. Literally the other 350 have are break even at zero dollars. That's because they're topped off by the, by the university. And so my thoughts were, if we're going to play, let's play. But if we're not, shut it down like a, uh, like a like a ski slope, right? Why why keep keep everything fully staffed if there's no snow? And, and does it
0: does that affect does that affect your cash flow at that point?
1: Oh, it would it would mildly affect it. And so that's where it's it's interesting for me to kind of put myself out there, but I'm just trying to speak a little wisdom into things. And for, for us, it's hit us a little quicker, right? You know, the cash is real to us. The cash that we spend is that's money. We're putting aside for our girls college funds. That's for our mortgage. And, um, whereas ADs and presidents and ADs are pushing, they really want to push the presidents. It's state appropriated funds. Now once tuition's down, that's when the story comes real. But um, for us, it's like, if we're not going to do this, maybe Nick Saban needs to be furloughed and it's a crazy thing to look at. But if this is a crazy thing we're dealing with, we need to look at crazy solutions. Now, now I I do think we're in a really good spot. So that was my thought at one point is if we got all shut it down and we have to shut down our business and put it on pause for, for, for nine months, then so be it. If it's going to help the longevity of us and the entire industry, let's do it. But what you find out real quick is that's not possible. Right. And so do I really think that we should do that? No, not at all. I, I think we need to fight and try to make, make sense. Now what I think is good about playing in the spring is it still gives us an opportunity to sell, give student athletes an opportunity to play. I think that there's definitely going to be a challenge of, of playing in the spring and then turning around and playing a full fall. So I think that, that, uh, conferences and in civil a's you have to figure out real quick of what 21 looks like 21 22 because that's got it just has to look different because
0: you be- could look at it and go hey let's let's play the games but not have any fans i guess that would be even more of a challenge with you because i mean with uh alabama they've got tv money right and tv exposure and things but some of these schools may may not have some of the yeah, media yeah, absolutely impressions and so that affects you as well
1: yeah, absolutely. That 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 affects us big time. But but I, I'll I'll tell you this, Jason. What what what's what's happened through all of this is is, is again we we're very fortunate that that we that we've developed good relationships because you can't have a good relationship if you're not working with good people. So we've no, got
0: relationships good, are everything.
1: Everything. And so when our first conversation is how can we help, and our second conversation is the same, and our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And not until our eighth conversation is, "Hey, we got to figure this thing out to soften it." And we have conversations in a vast majority of our, of our relationships this year have been altered, where we've tried to soften it for both parties, because we've said, "Hey, y'all, y'all can't guarantee what's in the contract. We can't guarantee what's in the contract either because there's a global pandemic. And fortunately, all of our schools, with the exception of one, and we're gonna lose a school through this, which is fine. We're gonna survive, because they dealt with it. And that school, unfortunately, we we weren't working with the athletic director, we were working with general counsel, where that individual, uh, I guess, isn't aware that there's a global pandemic going on, and <laughs> not having football. But uh, that that's fine, that was gonna rear its its head anyway. But what we've found is that our our culture has never been stronger, and our relationship with our athletic directors have never been stronger and our communication's never been more transparent with them because guess what? It's got to be, right?
0: How do you feel like the, that COVID's going to change the in-stadium experience for sponsorships, especially at these these uh, kind of the smaller schools?
1: Yeah, so I, I do think going back to the philanthropic side, I think what we found, at first we were terrified, um, but what we found is, uh, the, the businesses that have been able to survive, banks, the the, the grocery stores, these type of folks, um, they they still want to be involved, and, and they, they know that universities need help. Excuse me. If if somebody's doing a hundred thousand or ten thousand or even a thousand, they still have that propensity to give. Now, th- this is where I legitimately feel bad for for Alabama. If if there's a sponsor doing five million, how can they justify doing five million? how can they even justify doing four or three million? They can justify probably doing a million, right? Just based on the warm and fuzzy, but they're paying for eyeballs. And, and that's where there's a challenge. So moving forward, I, I, you know, I've been to two games this year. Uh, I, I'm scheduled to go to another, another few here. I, I think people want to be back, you know, and you go out to eat, people enjoy that. People are starting to see these things that yeah. uh, we got a, something big going on in November. We'll see where that takes us. Um, I think that the market's going to shift a little and it already has, but I think people just want to be back to normal. I mean, we're human beings, creatures of habit, and I'm excited about the future, about what sponsors are. They, they just, they just want to be back they They want their businesses to be back. And if this thing's going to be here for a while, you know, we need to figure out how, how to, how to work within it. And I think we already are.
0: And to your point, are there, are there any process or changes that you, that you're going to make in your business that will maybe protect you from, from another pandemic or anything like this, Does this kind of have to have you think of outside the box a little bit for the future?
1: You know, uh, maybe, some maybe pro- how you
0: structure your deals with the universities or things like that.
1: You know, may- maybe a little bit. Right. But um, I would, I would say this, I, I think probably just for a little protection, but, um, but, but I, 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 I know this, I don't know how much we change it, and and you know we sign deals, and very rarely do we ever open up the contract because it's it's all about the it's I know we talk about partnerships a lot today, but it, re- it really is about the partnership and the relationships, and just asking how can we get through this thing. And and it would it, be pretty bold for me to call up um, you know any of our schools that aren't playing and saying, well, you're, you're breaking the contract, you owe us damages. Like that's not going to go well right? Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot easier to call up and say, Hey, y'all are struggling. You know, I know you're getting kicked kicked in the pants all the time by your coaches and player parents and season ticket holders, but I just want to let you know, whatever, whatever you need from us, like, let's figure it out. But if you aren't playing football, like we're going to need to figure something out too. And, and, and that's a great conversation. So, um, you know, is going into this with us being remote anyway, we're used to Zoom calls, so that, that's been an easy transition. Um, you know, maybe not as many uh, in-game promos that we're handing out. We, we've shifted to digital program ads uh, at, at our places, and, and a lot of that is because of schools and, and, and state and city mandates. And, and, and here's the wonderful thing is majority of the sponsors, 99% of the sponsors um, have been very understanding and very comfortable with that, which has been good.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I've got three questions I always ask all yeah. my uh, all my guests that come on the podcast. What do you feel like the future looks like for Peak Sports?
1: I think it looks really good. You know, we 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 wanted to hit 20 by 20. 20 by the end of 20. We're we're sitting at 17 schools. We've got two baseball turns, we can call it 19. Um, you know, we had a hashtag at the beginning of the year. Big things coming, and in, in the punchline to that was was definitely not COVID. It was this. I, I I think we've got a really good shot at hitting that before before the ball drops. I really do. And beyond that, it's it's man, it's the sky's the limit. But we've got to control our growth so that we can still maintain good relationships and make sure each of our schools feel special.
0: That's great. And what makes you get up in the morning and do what you do? Yeah.
1: You know, it, it's 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 being able to, you know, for for us, it's being able to, you know, continue to make an impact at our at our institutions. I mean, it's it it's cool when when a school, you know, of ours that normally buses eight hours, where they say, hey, this year we're getting a charter because of y'all. You know, because we can afford that. That that's pretty cool. Um, being able to build a business, I mean, we building a business is not for the faint of heart. Being a leader. Uh, in, in athletics, you know, if you're an AD or whatever, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's getting up and figuring out what problems can I solve today, right? And that, that's, that's always exciting to me is how can I roll my sleeves up and, and, and accomplish something today?
0: If you were listening to this podcast 10 years ago, what do you wish you knew then that you know now?
1: Uh, I think it's an easy one is um, things are never as bad as you think they are. But, but maybe more importantly if things are never as good as you think that they are either right so never get too high never get too low kind of stay right in the middle and if that's the case then then, then it should always be really really good
0: that's great that's great advice ryan thanks so much for coming on the podcast today
1: absolutely i really appreciate it. This, has been, this has been awesome
0: appreciate it ryan holloway president founder of peak sports management thanks ryan
1: all right take care
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsortalk on Twitter and at the Sponsorship Space on LinkedIn and join our community if you're interested in learning more. Thanks and have a great day.